Greetings. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, everyone. Uh, this is Chief Yuya. Of course, as always, this is Chief Yuya podcast, and I um, trust that your day has been going as you pictured it going so far, and you are commanding your day as you have been um, advised and taught to, <laughs> right? So, yeah, I wanted to just touch a couple of points. It's not going to be a long one. The Woman King. <laughs> the Woman King. That's our new, um, it seems, I mean, Black Panther 2 is coming out. But before Black Panther 2, it, it will be The Woman King is what uh, everyone is going to be uh, ranting and raving about for a little while. And, uh, you know, I was gonna, I was going to touch on it. Uh, a little bit and then I said maybe I won't because I started seeing some social media postings where it seems that um some folks are speaking about the level of historical inaccuracy um present in the film and then I I saw other people come well yeah complaining and saying well why can't we just have something for us why do people always have to hate you know, I saw a bunch of posts like that. Oh, y'all just hating, y'all hating. And I, I thought it was, it was interesting. You know, like I said, um, when I first saw the trailer, well, no, did I even see the full trailer? I didn't even watch a whole trailer. I'm not going to watch the film, but I didn't, I don't even think I saw a full trailer for the film. Um, I can tell by images and by title. I, I know the agenda. I know what's happening. You know, I don't, I don't need to read the whole book to know the story. So I saw some of the images and I said, okay, I, I see what this is. You know, sometimes, uh, it's just like a name. You know, a lot of times when you're studying ancient names, you, you can't find a meaning. Like, you know, you can't just, you can't just look the word up and say, okay, this means that, that, because some, some, some languages are so ancient that um a generic meaning will be dis- um ascribed to it but what you have to do is you have to read the contextual script around the name to understand what's being said you know or who's being described if a certain name is given to you and it's a story about love and you know or just a passage maybe even a paragraph and it's describing all these attributes of love and then it drops the name of a deity in the middle of that it helps you to interpret that name. You know, that's one of the, the ways that you are not taught, unfortunately, <laughs> to decipher the many names of the, um, the entities that live in other dimensions. But that's actually how you have to do it. You know, so I saw some of the images and the name, the woman king, and I said, okay. All right. This is just more of it. <laughs> you know, more, more of it, you know. Um, and I said to myself, you know, I should probably, um, do a segment, not necessarily breaking down anything, um, with the film or anything like that. I don't, I don't have an interest in watching it or, um, warning people don't go watch that or go watch it or anything like that. But, proper preparation 
you know, it's like anything when you're um, able to go into uh, a situation with your eyes wide open, right? Um, you can actually enjoy that situation more, seeing it for what it really is, as opposed to going in with thwarted expe- expectations. Um, so, you know, I had said to myself, oh, maybe I'll do a segment just explaining a, a little bit, just a little tiny bit. And really just making it clear that, and, and I knew, again, just from the film posters and the titles. And I I have to say, you know, just as a disclaimer, I've probably seen five to six seconds of, of trailer. Um, but when you're tied into the contextual um, progress of a larger agenda, you know what stuff is as soon as you see it. And if you're not studied and learn it in that agenda, then you, you, it's, you'll never understand anything. It's, it's, um, if you don't know the basis of what's happening in terms of not only a white supremacist agenda, um, but also the demonic agendas that exist, which are wrapped into a white supremacist agenda, then you'll never understand anything that jumps in front of you. You'll be trying to singularly interpret every single event and phenomenon a movie will come out and you're like okay well what's this what's you know as opposed to being able to just sort of read the the times if you will you know what's 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 happening at the time you know you look at something like the death of queen elizabeth ii and then eight days later the woman king is released you know, and if you're able to read the times properly, you'll say, oh, OK, I, yeah, OK, it adds up. Or even if you look at um, Thor, um, what was it, Love and Thunder, I think was the name of it, where you had Tessa Thompson. Tessa Thompson plays uh, Valkyrie. And within the film, which I also did not see, I'm not watching that, that garbage. Um. But I know they call her King Valkyrie, you know, as opposed to be to being called a queen. She's called a king. And a lot of the, the film uh, focuses on her female on female um, love relationship, you know. So you start to understand some of these things. And, and this is across the MCU. I mean, the Mar- Marvel comic universe There's there's so much. um not only gender gender swapping, but also race swapping that happens. And sometimes it just makes absolutely no sense. So you look at something like even The Woman King, and I heard it's a, it's a good action film. I know people who have went and checked it out. Um, and it, it probably is great for that. But, you know, one of the things that I was going to share, and I'll share a little bit, is just you're looking at the, 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 the uh, kingdom of Dahomey. You know, these are the people who you're looking at when you're looking at this particular film and um it's not a historical film and that's probably really all i need to say <laughs> really all i need to say because i know there's a suspension of disbelief and once you get into the movie theater and you're watching and you're getting hyped up which i'm hearing so many women now like oh I, I, I wish i knew how to fight like that you know i mean i'm already hearing the reports and not realizing yeah, that's not real you know, <laughs> Viola Davis is not, you know, now going to become the new Black Panther. You know, it's it's just a film. And um, 
a film that wasn't necessarily created by the people who are depicted in the film or people who look like the people who were depicted in the film. So that's an important um, piece as well. But, you know, um, I thought it was very interesting. Once once I, I saw the trailers and I knew who they were speaking of, the characters they were speaking of, I thought it was very interesting that they would pick Dahomey, you know. Um, and, yes, these this was a, a, a group, a nation that was involved in the transatlantic slave trade, or what we call the Ma'afa. And, you know, some people are, are going a little overboard with it because, you know, there's that there's that sense of um, low level accountability information that exists across the Internet with a lot of the Internet teachers. So um, when something comes out, sometimes they go to extremes um, in order to get views and things like that. Um this was a this was a a group of people this was a this was an african nation or kingdom rather um that yeah w- was deeply entrenched uh in the maafa but they weren't they were far from the worst i mean they weren't the worst slavers in west africa you had um other slavers as well like alada and wida you know um they were smaller kingdoms if you will but um they actually uh exported more people than Dahomey, you know. So uh, Dahomey, especially around like the early 1700s, late 1600s, they they acquired a lot of their slaves or their people rather from um, the northern traders, you know. So it wasn't all about raiding to go get to go get people. I don't know if that's depicted in the film or not. Like I said, I'm not watching um, and I'm not watching it. Not, not. I don't. I don't have to watch it. <laughs> you know. Um, sometimes certain things are released. They come out, and there's this guilt put on you. Like I remember when Black Panther came out. It was like, did you, did you check out Black Panther? Like, why do I have to check that out? Well, you know that that's not something that's significant to me as a as a melanin dominant man. It's a cartoon, and I did eventually see the movie. I'm like, eh. It was all right. Yeah, it it was nice to hear the accents and things, but it was so, it was so confused and it was so inconsistent even in terms of its representation, you know, it made it made very little sense. And then you have to ask the question, you know, as you were having all these amazing technological advances, you could have actually stopped the Maafa. You could have actually helped the neighboring countries, but you didn't. You know, so there there are questions, you know, that that come up, and not that that movie is supposed to answer them because it, it's it's not real and it wasn't created by my community or my elders, and and the same thing goes with um, the woman king. You know, it it may be depicting these women as like they were Spartans, but the um, the Amazonians were far from that. You know, they, they were no better fighters than the men. And many of them had to learn how to fight um, because so many men were given away in tributary. You know, so it wasn't like these women were just so much more powerful than the men. And they stood up and said, OK, we we can do it better than you or whatever. You know, um, this is just something that happened. And like I said, they weren't. 
They they were basically the equivalent of child soldiers. You know, now I know you may hear some of it and you're like, oh, you hate him. <laughs> but if the movie didn't come out and I explained this to you, you'd be like, oh, OK, it's just a history lesson, which is that's what it is. It's just history. You know, this is things that these are things that you can go find out for yourself. Um, but that's the power of media. That's the power of media. You know, once once they put that idea in front of you. Yeah, man. Anything that comes up and 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 conflicts with that now, it's you take it very personal, you know. So when I started to see some of the postings go up and stuff, I said, ah, maybe I won't say anything because it it seems that people are catching on and they are saying, hey, wait a minute, this isn't mm -mm, that's not that's not accurate. But but I, but like I said, I saw some. I'm like, yeah, but that's a little too extreme, you know, like to make it seem like the Dahomeans were responsible for the slave and no, all that that's not necessarily true um yeah that's not necessarily true you know i mean in the 1700s uh dahomey was a tribute to the oil empire which they eventually were able to conquer but that's where a lot of their their men went actually to the larger um oil empire and that's why so many people in America, because of oil, where you have the Yoruba, you know, eventually ended up a lot of in America. So a lot of people in America actually have Dahomean um, ancestry, you know, as a result of of what happened. Um, there was actually someone in in Haiti, Victoria. Well, actually, their their local name was um, Abdurraya Toya. But I know the the name was Victoria, I think Manto or Mantu, and they were that was a um, Haitian revolutionary, you know. But um, it was said that uh, yeah, Abdurraya had Dahomean ancestry down there in Haiti. But um, yeah, you know, so there's there's um, there could be a lot of confusion, you know, if you go and watch the film and start to imagine certain things and and I don't know maybe that's what those those um filmmakers intended you know when they created it um it doesn't really matter you know we, we can't look at movies and things like that to really tell our story especially if we're not the one telling it you know even if we're playing it out you have to look at well who wrote it who produced it what and most importantly, what studio is behind it? Because that that's <laughs> that gives you an idea of what the the agenda is. Um, so yeah, you know, like I said, it, it, the Dahomeans they weren't the worst. Now I know that um, John Boyega was in the film. Interesting enough, um, and I think he was um, just a little bit that I heard. You know, just kind of people who saw it i'm like yeah that the depiction was a little off because the person that he was if you study the history was actually a tyrant you know and um this was a person who was selling people <laughs> left and right you know so um yeah there's so many things that that were off and um i guess just an understanding like i said Kingdoms like um, Alada and Wida, who were 
kingdoms that were based primarily on slaving and uh, were much worse than Dahomey, you know. And yeah, Oyo, they later, um, they conquered Dahomey and, and they turned a lot of, the, like I said, their men into tributary so they could get the access to those ports of um, of Alada in, in Wida. You know, and that those ports became a, a very instru- instrumental piece, you know, and, um, you know, the homie did launch. They did have raids, but um, they weren't like a, a powerfully militaristic kingdom. I mean, they they couldn't really beat anybody. You know, they would come in when people were weak and things like that and, you know, um, kind of do their work like that. But um, they would kind of take advantage of you know, certain situations, but they never really like conquered any major territory or anything like that. Um, so I, I don't know again about the film, but it may be a little bit misleading in that sense that these were like these great warriors. Like I said, they were like child, child soldiers, you know, and I know it puts a certain idea in the head like, yeah, see women, women could be warriors too. And yeah, sure. They can. I mean, you know, I'm not taking that away. You know, but they weren't that. <laughs> Not those women, you know, who you who you call your your Amazons and stuff. No, they weren't. They weren't that. And that's that's kind of what I wanted to touch on a little bit because that becomes a danger, man. When when you take, um, when you just so quickly replace things without a proper journey and explanation, then you give people a very weak. Um, sort of esteem to stand on that can easily and quickly be taken away. You know, that's, that's part of the problem in doing something like that. Not to say that there weren't freedom fighters, anything like that. Um, but the Mino or who you call the Amazons, but they, they were called the Mino. They weren't, they weren't freedom fighters for people. They protected themselves and they protected their kings. That's it. You know, they, they pretty much didn't give a darn about the general population. In fact, it was King Kizo that sold off um, a bunch of people to Europeans, you know, and the Amazons or the Mino didn't stop him from doing that, you know. So there was still, it was more complex than just like the Europeans were evil and they came in and did this and then the Africans had to fight. It, it's, there were, there were political things happening and they were, what we would say, I guess, geopolitical things that were happening at that time. So, um, you know, King, King Kizo, uh, was a very important person. I believe John Boyega was playing King, King Gizo. And yeah, man, you got to look at what he did to the neighboring states there in Dahomey as well. It's a very sad and, and, and depressing sort of thing that happened there. You know, so that, that's to say, I find it very interesting that they would pick, um, Oyo. I mean, I'm, excuse me, they would pick Dahomey, you know, um, to make this film on. But again, you know, sometimes people who are unlearned, they get excited about things really quickly and they don't really put the work into understanding, you know, again, the agenda. Um, who's behind this? You know, I know one of the writers uh, uh, of that film is Dana, Dana Stevens and Maria Bello, <clears throat> Kathy Schumann, I believe, and Gina Prince. 
um, none of them are, are melanin dominant women, not one, you know. So, and not to say that someone, a, a, a non-African quote unquote cannot write a good film about Africa. Yeah, absolutely they can. So, you know, that's not the implication there, but, um, again, sometimes when we go into those films and things like that, there's a mindset, you know, yeah, finally we got, you know, like when Black Panther came out, yeah, we got something that represents us. No, it doesn't. Didn't even really, it didn't represent Africans. <laughs> you know, you look at the, the, the people who were depicted, the, the different attire, the, the the different symbolism, like it was just this schizophrenic, um, schizophrenic representation of this. I don't know. You had the 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 brothers down at the bottom dressed like Maasai, with the rhinos, and then you had the mother with with the South African headdress. You know, like it was just, yeah. It, that that film suffered from African multiple personality disorder. You know, there were so many things that were wrong with it. And that's okay because, it, again, if you didn't create it, <clears throat> you know, you're not tearing down your own or anything like that. But people will believe that. So, like I said, even even in this particular film, you know, it's it's good to look at. Like, yeah, man, it came out eight days after the death of Queen Elizabeth, and then right before that, we had Thor, you know, Love and Love and Thunder, and um, you know, with the female Thor, and um, like I said, is uh, the king, <laughs> the king Valkyrie, who's the ruining, the reigning sovereign over Asgard, calling herself a king, and she's got a, she's got her queen, quote unquote, if you will, you know, um. Chris Helmsworth is just playing an absolute idiot the entire film. He's just a bumbling fool. Then you have She-Hulk. I mean, there's so many stupid things that have come out. Captain Marvel, you know, She-Hulk is coming out and she like, oh, man, it's just horrible. She's like better than than the Hulk who's been here the whole time. And it's just what you have is you have a lot of social justice warriors who are using these films to push their own agendas in a very direct and blatant way with no sense of tolerance whatsoever, whatsoever, you know, they're putting it right in your face and it, it's really nauseating. Um, and it's not to say that you can't do certain swaps and things like that. Like I said, when you do those gender swaps or you do, um, those racial swaps, it's okay if it makes sense, but when it doesn't, you know, sometimes people's story are tied to their ethnicity you see, or people's hero's journey could be tied to their race and ethnicity. And when you erase that, you weaken what they could really be or the value of what a hero is. It's just like, again, you look at the MCU and I'm not a big comic. Like in my life, I probably read like four comic books. If that I had three as a child and they, they were called golden legacy. They're not like MCU. They were about, um, let me see. I had the Amistad, Matthew Henson. I think the third one was about, um, Dr. King. I think I still have those comic books. They're in plat. I mean, they're not worth anything, I'm sure, but you know, um, those are the only comics I ever had as a child. I never had any, anything else. We just 
We just were in that type of house. <laughs> so as an adult, I never really got into it, anything like that. Um, or when the movie started coming out, I never really saw, I mean, I saw Superman like everybody else back in the days and stuff, you know, and the first Batman with Michael Keaton. And I saw a couple of other Batmans in between there. But beyond watching something to break it down metaphysically in the esoterics, I, I never really been too much into the cartoons and stuff. But because I do the, the breakdowns and, you know, sometimes I'm doing presentations to young people. So I, I watch these things to be relevant in some of my examples. I, I you know, I, I'm aware of some of these characters. Like, so like I said, even I know Nick Fury was originally not, um, melanin dominant, but they, in the movies, they use Samuel Jackson, which was perfectly fine. I mean, you can change his race and not necessarily change his story. But again, you have people who like Black Panther, where his race and his culture is actually tied to the character. You know, um, Shang-Chi, race and culture tied to the character. You know, even that movie was pretty sucky that they did. But um, Luke Cage is another one, you know, his race and culture. You can't just change that. Or like a Magneto. Magneto um, was a Jew who was in, who was, you know, a prisoner in the Holocaust. So you can't just like, <laughs> you know, make Magneto something else. It wouldn't really work, you know, or like um, Kitty Pride is also Jewish or uh, Moonstar. Danny Moonstar is, is Cheyenne, um, Cheyenne, excuse me. Um, it's another one. Berto. Berto is, is Brazilian. In fact, a, uh, um, a Negro Brazilian. Storm is Kenyan. You know, like these people, you just can't change because their story is tied to their race. Their story is tied to their culture. You know, so you gotta, you gotta keep your eye out when they do those swaps like that, when it makes no sense because that's what they're really doing. It they're they're erasing culture, you know. They're erasing the culture, you know. Or like again, you take the woman king, and you're erasing even the percept, the concept of a king inside of that culture, and you're imposing your social justice warrior European value on what we're gonna how how we're gonna depict these women now. And if you have a bunch of people who are already wrapped up in that sickness and that that sick pathology in that way of thinking they'll eat it right up oh yeah viola yeah yeah girl you know they'll, they'll eat that foolishness right up without realizing that they're actually insulting you <laughs> that's actually what's happening right now you're being insulted they're showing just how easily you are manipulated and how unlearned you really are how you really don't study anything so you don't even you don't even know what to cheer on you don't know what to get upset about. You don't, you know, you don't know what to get excited about because you really don't even know your own history. You know, um, and I'm, that's why I was glad some people did stand up and say, wait a minute, that homie, nah, that's not the one, <laughs> you know, and, and there was again some from just, and I'm just from what I heard back from people and stuff, there was some inaccuracies, but I am not interested, man. You know, we're, we're in a season now, you know, you get to a certain place where, you got to focus on what's right. I mean, not to say that you never should. You know, you should always focus on what's right. But I'm in a season now where I have no time for foolishness. And I know what's foolish from what's not. You know, so I'm not giving any energy to foolishness in this season right now. We have some really heavy things that are coming down the pipe 
that are on us, some serious things, and we have to focus on serious things right now. So if I know something is, is I'm not entertaining anything that's, um, injurious to my, to my psyche, injurious to my spirit. I'm not entertaining it. You know, you, the woman can get out of here. I'm no, we're not doing that. Now somebody else will watch this. Oh, it's beautiful to see those sisters empowered and didn't it? Okay. If that's how you, if that's what you see empowerment being, you know, sort of like Milan. If you watch Milan one and Milan two, the first Milan was good because it showed the journey of this young girl becoming this, this hero. And then if you watch the second Milan, these, see, these, this is the agenda. You gotta, you gotta peep stuff. The new SJW agenda is to never show a, a journey. And if you never show a journey, then you take out the value of the hero. You know, so like, the first Milan, you saw like, okay, this is a journey that someone went through and, you know, they became better as a result of, of that journey. And then the second one, she was always just this little girl who was just magical, <laughs> always just had all these skills and was just, just better than everybody else with no explanation. You see, that actually is an insult. People don't even realize that's an insult and, and, a lot of times people don't know how to catch it. You know, there, there are some great films. And just so for anyone who says, well, you know, he just being misogynist. Well, you see it that way. Sure. Whatever. I don't care. But, um, there are great films with female leads and, and female heroes in it that actually depict a proper, um, hero's journey, you know, because that's the thing when, when you, remove that it's actually dangerous to, to to society because there's a purpose that we have in a society where we have the whether the mythology or the reality of a hero the reality and the mythology of a hero is to help us to find our own hero within see that's the key you know you you're pulling you're looking at or you're reading these stories and you're getting power from them you're getting inspiration from them and you're learning more and more how to be like these particular people and how to manifest that thing in your life. But the key about a hero is that the hero has to be relatable. You see, if it's not relatable, relatable, then you can't use that as a way to um, improve yourself or to understand how you can gain your own wealth or gain your own glory or, or whatever it is that you're supposed to understand. Because at the, at the other side of the hero journey, you're supposed to be a completely different person. See, that's the point of the hero's journey is transformation. So check out some of these new heroes and you'll see that that's not present because they're just special from the beginning. Nothing changes. See, that's, that's the slick. It's so nuanced. But if you're not studied, you wouldn't you wouldn't even pick up on that. Like this is toxic. You look at Captain Marvel. Like I, there's so much I could say about that that film and and even the actress who plays in it. Like <laughs> you could probably just Google that one or go on YouTube because a lot of people have picked up on it already and like oh my gosh she's horrible. Not as an actress as a person. <laughs> She's horrible, you know, but of course she is. She is, she is her character. I'm Captain Marvel. I just come and I'm just great, perfect already, you know. There's so many things and they use these, cause the new heroes are these cartoons and stuff. I've said that years ago and they use that to shape the mindset, you know, um, I think it's in, uh, what is it? Uh, 
X-Men Phoenix, the Phoenix one, I think. There's a scene in there where the mansion, the X-Men mansion is, is being blown up. And Pedro, you know, the one who could move super fast, he goes in and he saves everybody, like moves super fast. And then when he pulls everybody outside, gets everyone out of harm's way, they all turn to Mystique and say, what should we do? You're our leader now. What? And it's, it, it was so funny to me when I first saw it. I said, wow, nobody even said thank you, Pedro, for saving all of our lives. Or maybe you should be the hero because you were able to save all of us. It just goes right to her. And for no, no logical reason, right? And if you're not watching, see, if you're not aware of the context, if you're not up on what's actually happening, you won't catch things like that and realize what's being done and that it's just, it's just the beginning of something, um, far more sinister. And it ties right into economic collapse. It ties right into the coming crime, the coming violence. For those of you who are not from places like, you know, up north, New York, Chicago, Philly, Philly, just, just go online, look at some of the news blotters. You can look at the crime blotters for New York and, and for Philadelphia, Chicago and see what's happening. LA. I mean, we know, I mean, shoot, PNB Rock just got killed. And I mean, that's just a common thing, rappers getting killed. For some of us, we don't even know these rappers until they get killed. You know, we don't even know. Mississippi rapper, such as a little so-and-so guy. Who? What's his name? Huh? Oh, he's a rapper? Oh, okay. You're just so used to it now, right? But that hero is is the problem solver. It's a person who, you know, comes along and is able to transcend, um, standards that we would have and becomes a greater person you know and you don't see any of that transcending with this new slick agenda and like i said it for 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 me and i and i hope you all understand it it's not about saying that women can't be heroes because the hero's journey is for everyone male and female you know children that go through through heroes journeys you know or they at least they should but that that ability or that that potential of that journey that potential is that's an important word in all of this right that's being cut short by a slick agenda you watch the movie set it off you know that was a great movie that depicted um feminine strength and a hero's journey, you know, um, aliens with Sigourney Weaver, you know, there's, there are, there have been films that have done this thing right, the right way. But if you notice what's interesting, they're not talked about that much. I mean, yeah, aliens is a classic film, alien and aliens, both of them, right? They're classic films, but people don't really speak about the depiction of the, of the woman in those films, how they were able to still maintain their position as woman and go through a hero journey and not only like just be a hero because of their journey, but actually be action stars. You see, it's possible, you know, um, alien aliens, Terminator two. It's another great one. If you want to look at like a proper female hero's journey, Coffee, you know, Pam Greer back in the days. Silence of the Lambs was another excellent one. You look at the, the character of, of Clarice, 
you know, what she went through. Uh, Private Benjamin, that was with Goldie Hawn back in the days. Um, that was a really good one to kind of show that journey. Um, Terms of Endearment, Bonnie and Clyde, G.I. Jane, G.I. Jane, you know, um, another one, Girl Fight. Oh, really great one. Really great one that showed the hero's journey. Really great one. Kill Bill. Kill Bill. That was a really good one. You know, um, single white female. That came out back in the days. There was another one I'm thinking. Um, Duff, I think, is it, is she, or Swank, Hillary? Is it, it's one of the Hillary's. I don't know. I don't, I don't know them from Swank or Duff. But, um, there was a film with Clint, Clint Eastwood called Million Dollar Baby. That was a good one. It was one of those Hillary's. I don't, I don't know the difference between Hillary Swank and Hillary Duff. But yeah, one of the Hillary's was in it. She played a boxer. Million Dollar Baby was a really good one as far as showing that, um, that female hero. Towering Inferno is another good one too. I'm, you know, I'm just going through my head, you know, fried green tomatoes, you know, um, oh, freaking, um, back in the days of Dolly Parton in, uh, uh, um, nine to five. Nine to five. Some of you might remember the song from it working nine to five. But nine to five was a good one. You know, these, these are films that were, that were outside of that, that SJW or that, you know, um, that feminist social justice, justice warrior agenda. And they really did depict the female heroine in a way that just wasn't, um, goddess and, and false queen worship. You know, they're really worth looking at. Like you look at the foolishness with like um, Star Wars with Rey. <laughs> she just comes out of nowhere. She's like the strongest Jedi ever. Like it's just silly. It's just so stupid. <laughs> you know, and you look at the difference between that and like a Ellen Ripley. Ripley was in the Aliens. That was Sigourney Weaver's character. You know, it's just, it's just funny. You know, um, how slick they are <laughs> with some of this stuff. It's just, it's just really, really funny. I would even say, um, even though it was a terrible film, I usually never bring it up. Um, terrible, terrible film. If you read the book, horrible book, it was so disrespectful to black men, but the color purple, color purple showed a hero's journey. And not only, uh, Seely, but also, uh, Squeaks, who didn't, didn't really get a, a large kind of role in the film. You'd have to read the book to understand her journey. But, um, Squeaks as well. You know, that's the one who was like, you ain't nothing but a big old heifer. Ha ha. She was played by Ray Don Chong. You know, but those are good examples. Um, even though, again, the movies were, were disgusting. Um, but good examples of what a hero's journey, um, actually would look like you know in a, in a more sane uh sort of way you know what it really looks like you know i mean it's there's a bunch off the top of my head i mean it's more than I, even um as good as it gets with helen hunt it's another one you know but like what deborah winger did in terms of endearment you know um 
Yeah, it's a bunch of them. I know some of you might listen to me, but the only black one you said was set it off. Yeah, because they keep, they keep playing you. Well, in color purple, they keep playing. You don't realize you're getting played out. <laughs> As part of the problem, you know, you don't realize you're getting played out in the ones that you should be looking towards. You wouldn't even think to look at to like really understand, um, what does feminine strength really look like in the effects? I'm sorry, in the context rather of a, um, of an actual journey, of a real journey as opposed to just usurping the role of the man if I can and, um, becoming an antagonist to really the white male pro- protagonist, you know, it, it's so much deeper, you know, and, and like I said, a lot of people get confused. They watch some of these movies like The Woman King or whatever, and they don't understand that's not the hero's journey and that's not what's needed right now. There's so many, there's so much weakness in spirit among men and women right now. Um, that they'll never find that in a hero. They'll never, they'll never come to that crossroads, you know, that, that potential I spoke about earlier. Potential is what you face when you, when you're at the crossroads with it, with issue. And you're deciding what choice to make out of infinite and boundless amounts of choices. Will I make the choice to move into a place where I will fulfill my purpose or Maybe just I'll make a lateral movement. I have the potential to do either or any. And um, that's a time when you find your strength and you find your virtue. and Or you discover what your capacity is for good works or your capacity is for evil works, you know. That's why a lot of times you saw in like traditional literature, the, the heroes always kill some kind of monster, whether it's a kraken or shoot, whether it's freaking Ghostbusters killing the uh, Michelin man, <laughs> you know, the Stay Puft marshmallow person. Um, because the, the monsters, you know, them killing those monsters, um, they're showing the monsters, obviously, they, they represent the monsters that are within us. And our, our kind of choice we make to confront the worst parts of ourselves or the, or the scariest parts of, of ourselves or just kind of keep your head down and just kind of drudging through life, if you will, you know. But either way, we all have a fate that we can walk into, but we have to go on a journey. You don't just you don't just jump off the stoop and like, oh, I got it. You know, it doesn't work that way. And society right now will make you think it works that way. And it's a really, it's a setup for failure. So when someone stands in front, like someone like me, it says, no, you don't have it. Now you're offended. Well, or if I, like, this is a common one. I'll ask, well, what is it that you want to do? Well, people tell me I'm good at it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, they already got you, huh? So you haven't even explored internally to try to begin to pull that hero forward. You see, you're looking for all of this external validation and it's, it's been pumped into your ears forever. You're great. You're this. You're fabulous. You're that. You're that. You're that. You're that. You're that. But did you go on the journey to be that? You know, I've always found that very interesting with people who 
have weight challenges and they're told to stand in the mirror and tell themselves they're beautiful. It's one of the stupidest things ever. Stupidest things. And you, and you know, you don't want to look that way. That's why you went and found, found information that someone told you to stand in front of the mirror because you're not happy with the way you look. So instead of doing something about it, I'd stand in front of the mirror and say, I'm beautiful just the way I am. Even though just the way I am, I may have distorted and damaged the beauty that I had before because of my lack of discipline. It was beautiful. I was beautiful before I ruined what I had. Now let me put the work in and go on a journey to repair it. So I can I can honestly look and say, I'm not just beautiful because of how I look, but I'm beautiful because I, I was willing, I had enough strength and virtue to go on the journey. To, to be accountable for my own karma, to repair what I may have damaged. That's the hero's journey. You think about the women, you know, um, any of you familiar with like the, the weavers of fate, as, as they call them. And that's really the, the thing about the, the journey, which you're trying to discover. There's three of them. It's, um, Lachesis, Atropos, and Clotho. The three women. Sometimes you seem to pick it and like, they're kind of like the three crones or three witches, but the three weavers and, <laughs> and you know, like Clotho is the one who gives you more life. And it's Atropos who's the one who cuts the thread when it's time for you to die. And it's, um, it's Lachesis who determines how much thread you get to begin with, you know, and these are considered like the three weavers of fate. And you can bring value into your life by transcending um, what that fate could have been or fully living it out. Or, again, you can just um, kind of go along the baseline. So when you're, you're finding meaning in your life, when you're finding purpose, it's, it's a lifelong sort of heroic journey, if you will. And there's insights that come as a result. And what happens is at the end of the journey, you, the journey itself redeems you. Like you, you again look at the first Thor movie, right? He was redeemed because of his journey and able then to carry his hammer, which is his creative potential, his, his penis really, you know, at the end of the movie, you know, and everyone has their own sort of journey. They have that one thing that they have to accomplish. And that one thing essentially makes up for all the other things. You know, it could be freaking uh, um, Bilbo Baggins, the journey that he went on and going through Lonely Mountain or, or Odysseus, you know, going through his journey. And in all of these different things, they they test character. And, you know, there's a there's a change that happens on a psychological level. And there's an initiation into that becoming that that hero because you answered the call. You see, most people will refuse that call. And the more people invest and get sucked into um, these sort of unhealthy media experiences that I described, you know, um, the less they'll answer the call. They don't feel the need to. They won't realize that their destiny is actually inescapable. Eventually, you, you will live this thing out. And you're only delaying the inevitable and making it more painful. 
And you're missing out on an exciting life. You see? You're missing out on an exciting, exciting life. So many people are trapped in indecision and they don't realize that indecision is a product of you not wanting to take the hero's journey. So you stand at the crossroads. You never can make a choice. And indecision lives with complacency. They're, they're right there with each other, you know, because your rituals and your routines don't have a, a boldness of adventurous, adventurism. They don't have a boldness of risk. There's no, there's no level of, um, true self sacrifice, if, if you will. You see, you haven't really taken on that key characteristic of the hero. And the key characteristic is having some sort of cause that transcends your own life. So when you have that cause that transcends your own life, then you become self sacrificing. For the purpose of the journey, you know, and it's a, it's, it nourishes the soul doing that, you know, sacrificing the human life for a cause that's greater than it, you know, so you end up dying, if you will, um, but you, you end up dying when you don't stand for your integrity and your mission and your vision and the ideas that have been given to you. At the highest level, you see. When you go on that journey and you begin to develop a proper and healthy sense of self, you become a bit more mm, fulfilled with your transformation and how you interact with your environment. That's when you truly learn how to place boundaries around you. You see, you learn how to place values. You know, see, that's the thing. Even when we look at like nowadays, we look at celebrities. And part of the agenda <laughs> is to make people famous for doing things that have nothing to do with heroism, that have nothing to do with courage. You see? The glory that comes from being famous should only be your um, your reward. But it's a reward for everything that you already decided to do for your community and for your your friends and for your family, and for your loved ones and for your civic community, you know, your civic society. You see, because you're recognizing that, hey, I'm people are looking at me and I'm going to model this level of heroism, hero, hero heroism. In order to bring something better, you know, my shadow that I'm sending out across the community is large. You see, and the, the things that I do, the choices that I make, you know, they're going to influence other people, you know. So that's that's part of where we get into the killing of the monsters. You know, the, the complacency becomes the monster, the boredom, the, in, the indecision becomes a monster, you know. <laughs> just understand though that standing for that truth like just like me explaining a little bit about that homie and there's so much more I could say about that place and again I ain't even watched the movie <laughs> I ain't even watched the trailer I'm not I'm not nah I'm not letting that into my spirit that foolishness it's not happening you know 
I saw Black Panther bootleg. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going into a theater. No, it's not happening. Let somebody put their arms in front of me and cross my Wakanda fabric. You don't get out my face. And I, and I shared recently what Wakanda actually means. You know, Wakanda is juju. That's what they were really, all those Christians come and say, Wakanda forever, you saying black magic forever. That's what you really were saying. But, um, you gotta understand that when you take that hero journey and you, you slay the monster, a lot of times what happens is that you become the monster. That's something you gotta always remember. You know, like me saying, oh yeah, the, mm, the movie, mm, no, it wasn't like that. Mm, no, they weren't that fierce. Mm, they were involved in the, in the ma'afa. Yeah, they were, they were fighting to, you know, continue to sell people. Yeah, mm -hmm, brown people. But, you know, me now slaying the monster of lies and falsity and white supremacist agenda, it now makes me the monster. So, if you think about how I've said this before, how do some people treat their saviors? How do some people treat their messiahs? They crucify him. Because once the Messiah, the Savior comes and brings truth and delivers them from their lives with truth, they become the monster. And now um, sometimes jealousy comes and, you know, jealousy eventually turns into malice and um, it becomes difficult. You know, you, you end up as a savior, as a messiah, having to live on the edge of society, you know, because you become shunned, right? You know, so once you start speaking truth, for instance, let's say if you spoke to your friends and say, you know, this is what this movie is really depicting this in the wrong way. And this is what it's really saying. And let's couple it with a larger agenda that we see going on right now to destroy the, the what's left of the psyche of, um, American women in particular, you know, Negro women and a Negro family structure. So now when they have the watch party for the woman king, you won't get invited. <laughs> and maybe that that shunning may be your weakness. You know, um, that may end up being your, your downfall because um, you don't want to recognize it as a weakness. You know. And, and not willing, not being willing to recognize our, our weaknesses is just pride. It's just arrogance. You know, that's all. And like they say, uh, was the pride comes before the fall, right? And what happens is when you have that sort of thinking, that sort of arrogance of pride, it, it unfocuses or blurs your ability to think clearly. You know, so you, you, I would suggest you always be grateful for those who present radical honesty to you because it, it can really help you to, um, sidestep or mitigate some of the shortcomings that come from not knowing your own blind spots, you know? Yeah. Even if you have to write them down sometimes, you know, write them down, you know. Sometimes we have certain illusions of certainty, especially now in the information age, right? So easy to look up something real quick, read a couple of books. I mean, it's, this is just really like where human stupidity comes from. But you read a couple of books, 
look up a couple of Wikipedia articles, look at a couple of videos, and now all of a sudden you start talking about something. <laughs> you become an expert on that thing because it, you have an illusion of certainty that's now active inside of you, and you think that you can think your way out of any sort of situation as long as you have the right information, you know, and you may not understand that. Some of the problems that you have are not intellectual problems. They're problems that require courage. But when you begin to rely on the illusion of certainty, you now see every problem now as an, as an intellectual problem. So instead of, um, having faith and, you know, jumping into the fray, there was a movie that came out years ago called Frey with Liam Nelson, where he was stranded and he had these wolves hunting him. It was either the fray or the gray. <laughs> uh, so I, I might have the title wrong, but I mean, it was the same concept. Um, but yeah, you, you, you lose your courage to jump into the fray, if, if you will. Um, because you're, you're enslaved to your brain. So in, in order to do something, I gotta know everything first. You see? In order for me to act, I have to know everything. You see? But see, that's the difference between the hero. The hero is, is the woman or the man who is a person of action. And they, they push forward into the fray or the gray without necessarily having all of the answers. You see? There, there was a time back in the days when people got together in person. It was a game we used to play called Trivia Pursuit. And, you know, if you knew like you was around, like a lot of people like to play Trivia Pursuit, you would read encyclopedias and stuff all the time <laughs> just to have a bunch of frivolous information. Google.com is good for Trivia Pursuit. You can, you can stay on it all day or stay and watch YouTube videos all day and you can fill your mind with a bunch of frivolous information so you can be really good at trivia pursuit. You can be really good at it. But it doesn't give you courage. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily cut the chain that exists between your, your, your ability to act and your brain. In fact, it strengthens it makes you still think that you got to have every piece and every bit of information and not without understanding that the hero that you're pulling out is your heart. The hero and the heart are one and the same. So when you're becoming the best version of yourself, you really, what you're really doing is you're respecting yourself at a level that you never have before. That's what it really is. And it doesn't matter like how much weight you lose or how big you get in a gym or like how many books you read. What matters is how you're pulling that thing out of your heart. That's the key. That's really the, the, the leap of faith. The hero and the heart, the same thing. You see? But like I said, be prepared. Once you become the hero and you kill the monster, you become the monster. <laughs> you got to be ready for it because they, they, they're coming. 
<laughs> there are some people who listen to this podcast and say, why, you know, why can't we just celebrate each other? Why do we always got to tear each other down? It was a good movie. It encouraged me. I took my daughter to see it. Yeah, my daughter saw it. My, you know, it was encouraging the, the little black girl. <laughs> Just like Obama. Obama was encouraging, you know, black people. Yeah, okay. Sure. That's your thing. But some of us know a little bit more of what's going on out here. That's all. No biggie. You know? Don't, don't, don't be mad at me. <laughs> That's the monster, right? Don't be mad at the hero because the hero has taken the journey into truth and learning. And they're standing on that now. Don't be mad at them now. Come on. But I know it's it's in our nature to hate the hero. So it's going to happen anyway. Can't stop it. <laughs> That's part of the leap of courage that some of us are so afraid to take. Like, how will our family perceive us? How will our friends perceive us? We, I don't want to do that. I don't want to lose the comfort that I have right now with my family and friends. So I'm going to keep pretending to be just like them. And I'm never going to enact on what my heart is calling me to enact on. Ooh, that's a just even me saying it out of my mouth. It's just a scary reality. I could never see living like that. My heart is calling me to do something and I'm terrified to do it because of how people may perceive me. People. People. I mean, they, they only live like 80, 90 years. That's it. And I'm, and I'm going to shape my existence across multiple lifetimes for something that was just here for 80 or 90 years or less. I might not even know him for that amount of time. I only might only know him for one year. And I'm going to be concerned about what they have to say. Oof. That's a, that's a rap. That's a reality for you behind. <laughs> And, you know, and not to make, you know, diminish the journey of anyone who's going through that, because I know some people are, are paralyzed in that sort of feeling, you know, and not being able to really extract themselves from that. And I, and I do feel for you, you know, when you're not able to really pull out those heroic traits that are in you and, you know, act upon the necessity of your fate or the necessity of your purpose, rather. It's a better way to put it, you know, and move with that sense of um, self-awareness. And and the archetype that's lodged inside of all of us, we all have an archetype lodged deep inside of all of us. And that journey is pulling that archetype out. And you can use very practical techniques as well, you know, but the bottom line is it's just about doing, getting up and doing it, you know. And there's a value in that to the community because communities – you know, it becomes ritualistic. Even when we sing and tell the stories of our heroes and things like that, we're articulating our sacred um, aspirations within our society. Yeah. So this is something I wanted to share, you know, and especially for those um, applying to be a part of the community that um, I safeguard. You know, it is a hero's journey. It really is. And um, some of these things that we may think we have, we don't have. Some of the things we think we may know, we don't know. And um, the one who may present it to you may be the monster. 
you know, in your mind. And it's it's not an easy walk. Like I always say, yeah, I knew it's not for everybody. It is for everybody, but everybody can't do it. <laughs> because um, not everyone has agreed to participate in their hero's journey. And that's what's demanded. And I knew that transformation and change that comes out at the end. When I said, yeah, the, the um, end result of that journey you know, is, is that level of transformation. Um, there are so many people who are just, they, they're either terrified, you know, and, um, going on a journey like that to really be, um, transformed or in their mind, they have figured out all the ways around it. They don't have to do it. So when you start speaking to them about it in their mind, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't know me. I'm not taking that red pill. You you think I'm going to take the red pill, but it's not happening. <laughs> and I can pretend to take the red, red pill because maybe I don't really have a semblance of integrity that I, I may be making you think I have. You know, the credence of, of my position isn't necessarily solid. But um, and I can stroke your ego in my mind towards whatever reality you want me to look like. Um, so for some, it's, it's difficult, you know, men have to understand that, you know, a lot of, a lot of the guys, they come in and they're super unmanly and don't even know it. Not just soft because men can be soft. There's a time for that, you know, but um, they, they have, no clues about what it is to really be a man. They've been listening to wrong information. And then for the females, the same thing. And when you start having those conversations with them, they, they, you become the monster, you know, and it, it's tough. And and I think it, it, I know it's tough on both sides. It's tough for our new members to try to navigate that. Sometimes like you're hearing someone say something that makes no sense and, you're trying to figure out, well, how do I bring them to a place of clarity? And the person who's making no sense is, again, um, they have that illusion of certainty because of the information that they've taken in. Um, but they're wrong. They're dead wrong. You know, and may not, they may be moving in pride and arrogance, not have the humility to be able to say, you know what? Please just fix me. <laughs> Just fix me. Cause how could I really know what I'm talking about? You know, um, if I've not been in an environment, you know, that's one of the things. And I, and I say that to any of you who've ever had struggles with your family or anything like that. Be gentle. You know, everyone has not been exposed to the same level of information. It's just like the people when I knew a lot of times they, they're always shocked when they have conversations with people who they thought were something more than what they are. And they're like, I was explaining this and explaining this. And they were just like, wow, I didn't notice. I didn't know that. And I always try to tell them, like, you know, you guys know more than you think you do because you've been under right teaching for a long time now. Even if you've been in our new for six months, you're going to be light years ahead of most people around you. But because there's that sense of humility that's always instilled in hierarchy and respect. You don't realize it <laughs> because you're, you're like, well, 
you know, you, you don't start feeling, well, at least the ones who survive, There's the ones who last, the ones who don't last, they start feeling like I'm the ish. And then when their moment of clarity comes and you have to really talk to them about something, that's usually when they quit. <laughs> but I always know the ones who are going to, I know that from like when they walk through the door, like, okay, this one's going to leave the first time you have to help hold them accountable. They're out, you know, um, but yeah, you know, a lot of times they don't realize how much they really know. So when they're talking to people, they're thinking like, well, we're all just here struggling. You're not realizing you've been here for a year. You've been here for two years. You know how far beyond this person you are? Or when people sometimes watch our new members on YouTube or Clubhouse or different broadcast platforms and the members don't realize people are really learning from them because the people tell me. Or or they may be speaking away where the people may be like, I'm lost. I don't know what they're talking about because they're so far ahead, you know, and they're, they're not realizing that they've developed that much because there's so much further to go, you know. So I, I just say that, you know, for anyone who struggles at that level with family, whatever, just stop struggling. Be this, this is where empathy comes in. And that's a large part of the hero's journey really is empathy, right? Being able to recognize, you know, that, hey, you know, um, everyone hasn't had this training. If I've been going, if I've been working out um, for two years and then a friend wants to join me on a workout, they haven't worked out in five, I have to be empathetic to where they're at, you know, empathy is your ability to understand how someone is feeling, you know, as opposed to why don't, why aren't you getting this? Why aren't you here? I just said this or chief broke down the woman King. What's the problem? Yeah. Well, some people are not conditioned to this voice. There's some people who hear a deep voice and they, they feel that, that masculine energy and that testosterone and it's triggering for them because they were taught that it should be triggering. You see, so they're not even beyond that yet. And some people who came into Anu were like that. Some people are still like that. We still have people in Anu who have um, subliminal hatreds for man for for manhood and subliminal hatred towards real womanhood. It's still there. It's something that you work on. You see. So being able to share those feelings, you know, um, it doesn't always have to be a spoken thing, but when you're recognizing and, you know, um, that, that feeling may be there, it's, it's, you realize how crucial it is in kind of developing healthy relationships and behaving in a way that's compassionate, you know, um, and that helps, you know, when you're, trying to like i said it could just be even when you're coming into anu or you're in your interview you know just understand that like in this environment and i knew you will get grilled <laughs> you know part of the things that we have to under uncover in men is can you function under pressure yeah you may come in thinking you're your hot stuff but once you have four or five brothers in the interview process grilling you and pointing out the things that you're saying that make no sense or the things that you're doing that make no sense, you know, are you able to say, yeah, 
that doesn't make sense. I'm sorry. Or see, this is what I need help with. Please help me. You know, or do you start getting defensive because you want to be wrong, but look right? You know. So it's like these movies, they're wrong, but they look right. <laughs> yeah, shoot. I mean, I'm not going to watch the movies, but yeah, I like John Boyega. I like his energy, you know. Um, yeah, I like his energy, man. He came under fire recently, actually, quote unquote fire. Ain't no real fire because he said that he only um, dates um, black women. And uh, yeah, Twitter didn't like that. <laughs> they didn't like that, you know. Even though you you get a person like Tom Cruise, for instance, or Brad Pitt, they don't they won't say it, but you you'll never marry a black woman. They don't, but they won't say it though. But we all know it. But I guess he's not allowed to say it. But John Boyega seems like the type that you're like, man, whatever. <laughs> Give you just like he walked away from Star Wars. Middle finger to you. I'm more I'm gonna go do something else. You know. So um yeah, it's just, you know, a couple points to kinda look at. Um and willfully it will help you on on your hero's journey and understanding, you know, um the archetype that you're that you're pulling out and respecting that journey. And whenever you like I said, you see a film, book, a story, whatever that is not showing you that journey, but it's just putting someone in place. Be very suspicious. Don't just jump on it because it feels good. I, I know that may be the first reaction. Like, yeah, it's about time they started giving this one representation. And that, that that's not what they're doing. They're, they're making fun of you. That's what they're doing. You see. They'll show a G.I. Jane or a Private Benjamin go through their process, Goldie Hawn or Demi Moore. They'll show them in the mud doing push-ups and this and that and starting out being completely, you know, worthless in that environment and then building themselves up to something. Or like a Kill Bill, you know, um, they'll show that. But with you, they won't. You'll just jump in and just, oh, black girl magic. And that's them playing you out. That's them playing because it's not real. <laughs> it's it's just it's not real, you know. And they know it's not real, and they know you'll stand on that nonsense because sometimes we're easily fooled by our own pride and arrogance, and then it's very easy for them to sweep that from underneath you when the time comes, and the time is coming very soon, very soon. Time for man, the panic is real. When you now, I mean, you got to understand the news doesn't talk about a recession. That's something you try to figure out. Is it happening? Is it going on? But when you got the news saying this is going to be the worst thing, and now Warren Buffett is saying, oh, yeah, it's coming, you know, that means you're already in it. And the biggest part is coming. So these films and these these ideas that are pushed to you are a part of it. It's going to completely decimate you. 
this, these ideas that you, you know, you're kind of being indoctrinated with as to how you move as a man or how you move as a woman. And it's this sick sense of independence that's being fostered, you know, or more importantly, this really sick sense of entitlement. I haven't watched one She-Hawk episode, but I saw a couple of little commercials. I saw it in that. There's one scene where Bruce is trying to talk to her about controlling her anger because anger is what brings out the Hulk. And she goes off and she's like, you think I don't know about anger? I have to deal with it every day when men are looking at me and it's just stupid. So you're over here yelling at this man who's been dealing with this, his, this issue for decades, you know, has killed people (laughs) as a result being this monster, you know, and you're going off about getting cat calls walking down the street and the, the, the camera zooming in on your face and the music's becoming more menacing as if it's, a, you know, as if it can re- compare. These are the games that Hollywood is playing on the, the psyche of women. And it's, it's going to backfire. Those who are buying into the nonsense it's already started backfiring. I mean, you have so many men now who've just completely walked away and said, I'm going to another country to go find my wife. And I don't care what you have to say about it. And there are, there are, that's, that movement is picking up a lot of steam. And you may say, so what? I got my toys. Yeah, but there'll come a point where you want to get with a man, not because he's attractive, but because of his ability to protect you. Don't forget I said that. There's been so many times I've said things and you're like, Chief, you said that two years ago, three years ago. That's one of the ones you got to listen to. To protect you. Oh, yeah, girl, he he's, you know, two feet shorter than me. <laughs> and uh, he, he ain't much on the eyes and he ain't much for conversation, but I'm safe. That's going to be the new sexy. Protection, physical, being able to physically protect. Mark my words. And these different agendas are taking you out of that way of thinking. The woman king. Get the F out of here with that, will you? Please. It's going to have you thinking like, yes, you don't need no man. You just need my little machete here. Okay. Remember I said it. I won't say it too many times because then you'll. Why does he keep saying it over? You know, I know how y'all get. You get really, really foolish about certain things because, again, the savior always becomes the monster. All right. So that has been our segment. This is Chief Yeeha, of course. Um, yeah. And I want to thank you all for, um, following along, <laughs> if, if you will. Um, yeah, I had, you know, I'm sure something on the way out. Two good brothers of mine transitioned some years back. And we did a, we did a lot of music together. And I never released it. It's just been sitting on my hard drive. So recently I started trickling some of the, the music out. It's all old hip hop stuff, but it's old now because I mean, they, they transitioned like stuff from like the early 2000s. And I just was putting it out just to put it out because I'm like, man, shoot, something happened to me. It's the, <laughs> that's it. You know, so I said, at least it's floating out there. 
one of the brothers, and I'm just going to say their names if, if you like, um, older school boom bop, boom bap hip hop stuff that I, I produced and stuff. And there's more stuff coming. It's like a lot. I got probably, got, man, I can't even count them, but it's, it's like six more EP slash albums I'm a, I'm a, I'm a put up on the streaming platforms. Um, and then I got even more songs after that. I just got to, it's just a, been a, a lot of work to sort through all of them. Um, and then, you know, yeah, it's just a lot of work. Let's put it that way. But yeah, one of the artists, his name is Sean Tucker, ST, the giant lion, ST, the giant lion. If you look him up on any streaming platform, you'll find him. Yeah, he was from the Bronx. He transitioned um, some years ago. And another brother is Mr. Johnson, another good friend of mine. Um, he was from the Bronx too, but he moved to the South. But, uh, a couple, like, a couple years free transition. But, um, yeah, Mr. Johnson stuff is up and ST stuff is up. So I know for a lot of you listening, it's not the type of music you listen to. So, you know, <laughs> but yeah, something, something just told me, just, just say it, just share it. You know, like I said, and it's older stuff anyway. So you probably be like, yeah, this ain't, this don't, this don't sound like, you know, the newer, soft, super effeminate electronic uh, stuff that's out now that we love so much because it's so emo. <laughs> There's no auto-tune. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just wanted to honor those brothers' memories and just, you know, start to share some of the things that um, we did. And there's a lot more. But, um, yeah, you know. And it's old production for me. You know, there's some interesting things, especially with the Mr. Johnson stuff. Because um, some of those songs we recorded like in my truck. This is a whole long story to that, but we used to work together, you know, for a while. And um, the type of job we worked, we'd be securing places where nobody would be for like eight hours, eight nine hours. So we started we was like, "Yo, we could we could do music <laughs> while while we're here," you know. And I this was before like. Um, really people were doing music on computers. So it was more of a thing like, we just need a generator and this and that, and we can bring the, the drum machines, you know, it was like, yeah, you gotta bring a little bit of equipment, but we figured it out. You know, I think I had a laptop and a couple other pieces and some blankets, some moving blankets, <laughs> you know, to, to kind of muffle the sound. And, um, we got busy, you know, and I was, a lot of the tracks I was making right there in, in the truck or, I'd make them the night before and then we, you know, we go in. So a lot of fun, you know, just it's always fun when you're able to, um, create with people you love, you know, he was my brother, you know, he was someone I loved and, um, yeah, just, it just, just a good spirit, man, Kendrick sort of spirit, you know, and, um, it's always beautiful when you can, um, you know, do something that you, you enjoy and yeah, when you can collaborate with people who you respect and stuff like that. So I just say, yeah, let me just put this stuff out there. Most of it's undone, very rough, but I was like, so what? <laughs> you know, so what? Just whatever. Even if nobody ever hears it, at least it's, it's floating out there, you know, but yeah, I just wanted to share that on, on the way out. So. If anybody likes to listen to 
uh, old sound and stuff. <laughs> you know, although I mean, nah, let me not start sounding arrogant, but yeah, my, I mean, my production is always tight. <laughs> I'll just say it. <laughs> yeah, I know what I'm doing. I always knew what I was doing. No, I'm a player. But yeah, I mean, it's, this is, yeah. I mean, I, I've been producing since the early 90s, so this is not like the beginning of my journey or anything like that. Um, and all these songs were done like, yeah, 2000, between 2000, I think 2004, all the stuff was done, you know. But anyway, I just wanted to share that, man, on the way out. Um, yeah, so if you go watch the movie, you know, let me know how it was, you know. Um, I mean, not, I know it's historically off and all that, but I heard it, it's a good action flick. You know, like I said, once you have, once you have some information you're working with, you can go into certain environments and things like that because you're going in with your right mind. You know, you, so the suspension of disbelief is not really going to take effect as strongly and carry you off into make believe of Hollywood. You'll be able to maybe just say, okay, I just want to watch a fight film. <laughs> That's all. You know, I, I understand it's off. I even understand that there's a there's another kind of agenda happening here, but yeah, I just want to see Viola Davis fight. Okay, maybe that's that's the thing too. Me, I'm good. <laughs> I guess I ain't no time for that. No, no time for anything that's poisonous. Nah, not now. Maybe when things cool off a little bit, but things are heating up. Shoot, I mean, they start sacrificing queens. Goodness, you know it's heating up. All right, so that has been our segment. This is Chief Yuya signing out. Everyone be well, be safe, be loving, be kind. All right, peace.